Welcome to the Open to Hope show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my daughter and co-host. Dr. Heidi Horsley. This show is brought to you by the Open to Hope Foundation in partnership with the Compassionate Friends and the Elizabeth Kubler-Ross Foundation. Well, Heidi, we have got a wonderful show today because we've got a friend of yours and also a person that you work with when you go to TAPS, which is the Tragedy Assistance Program for Survivors. And we're going to be talking about that today as well as the journey of our guest. So do you want to introduce her? Great. Okay. So our guest today is Zanita Galino. And I want to say something about Zanita before we start because she is a very dear friend of mine. I first met Zanita when she was actually one of my students at Columbia, and she was getting her social work degree, and we became friends. And after she graduated, she started working with TAPS, which is the Tragedy Assistance Program for Survivors, and they deal with the military. Zanita is my go-to person. I'm constantly calling her, asking her for information. She is an incredible person who really gives her heart and soul to this mission. Zanita is an LMSW. She is a social worker. She is the Director of Community-Based Care for the Tragedy Assistance Program for Survivors, as I've said. They're known as TAPS. She is the liaison for the TAPS Board of Advisors and manages their online professional education program and the network of TAPS care groups. Zanita comes from a military family and is honored to bring her education, background, and passion to serve the families of the fallen. And Zanita is also a bereaved child. Her dad died when she was only 10 years old. She is a wonderful person. I'm honored to have her here today. Welcome to the show, Zanita. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me and for that warm welcome. Well, it's great to have you on the show, Zanita, and really impressive work that you're doing with this Tragedy Assistance Program with Families. I wanted to ask you, I mean, it's really interesting. I don't think most of our world know out there that there is a program that deals with families of the military who have somebody in the family has died. It's almost anybody who's ever served in the military, right, that could get involved in this if they wanted to? Yeah, we are a peer-based organization, Gloria. So it's those that lost loved ones while serving in the armed forces. And it's regardless of the circumstances of the loss or their relationship. And that's what really sets us apart because a lot of the other services that are provided out there are specific to parents or specific to a spouse, but we're for anybody that's grieving the loss. So it can be their friend, their battle buddy, their fiance, their brother, their sister, someone that served, someone they loved, and someone that died. We're here to support them. And that's so big, Zanina, because so often, as my mom and I have seen, the battle buddy or the fiancé, they're disenfranchised. Absolutely. We have a lot of services for fiancé-specific and retreats specific to fiancé loss. A lot of peer mentors in our program that are fiancés, they're volunteers that are here to support other fiancés, and it definitely is a healing place for those that are grieving. Their relationship was fiancé. We absolutely are here for them. And I know I've interviewed people before that have had lost a fiancé or a partner that they weren't married to that they may have lived with for years. You know, it's a universal problem, not just the military, but all of a sudden they don't have any rights to anything. The department becomes property of somebody else, property. I mean, it, it's really a difficult thing, isn't it? Well, Mom, after mm-hmm. 9-11, we had this issue. You know, I worked with the families for 10 years, and we had a couple of families that had children with the firefighter that died, but they had never legally married. And therefore, they did not have the right to have any of the 9-11 compensation that the other families had because they had never married. So it is an issue. Wow. So, Zanita, I'm curious about something because I want to make sure we get to this. I was telling mm-hmm. my mom before the show that your your dad died when you were only 10 years old. And I wanted mm-hmm. you to tell us a little bit about that. And I was curious 
to know if that informs your practice today. Yeah, absolutely. I'm fine to share it. When I was 10, my dad died of a heart attack and then a stroke that followed. So I believe I was in the fourth grade, but my dad had had a heart attack and we thought he was going to get better. And then my mom let me know that he died of a stroke and he never did come home. Um, I definitely have that significant loss early on in my life that I feel led me to grief and loss. I think for a lot of people, it's the field that finds us, right? That we don't necessarily pick, but it picks us. And losing my dad definitely has shaped the way that I do the work at TAPS, but also the way I'm here to be empathetic and to understand that grief really does not have a timetable. I may have been 10. That was early on in my life, but it's something that shaped the person I am and definitely something I'll carry with me into the future. Now, was he in the military? I know that you said that you were from the military family. Had he been in the military? He was not in the military, but both of my brothers were serving at the time. I had a brother in the Navy and a brother in the Air Force at the time when my dad died. So I definitely understand military culture and what it's like to have your family away. Now, were they able to get back for the funeral and all that? Um, No, they actually weren't. Yeah, because I'm wondering if that's some of the kinds of things that you're saying, too. Is there anything that helped you when you were 10 years old and helped you through your grief and loss situation and helped you to find hope again, which they do at TAPS, that you do at TAPS with the kids that are grieving the loss of their fathers or their parents? Um, I feel like, Heidi, this was one thing that's really helped me to know that you can just kind of pack it away and carry it with you and it, and it stays with you. Because I never really had the support, not for lack of trying, but to really recognize that it was a loss for me as well. People would ask me, how's your mom? but not how are you doing since your dad died. And so it wasn't until later in life that I really realized what a significant impact it had on me. So I think that it's such a beautiful thing how we offer the good grief camps for the kids because they're able early on, as soon as their family brings them, to recognize this loss, how it impacts their life, and how they can integrate that loss into their life. I have to say I never really had that opportunity, but it wasn't because someone you know, begrudged me that. It's just my family... We didn't have a context in how to deal with it and how to support us as kids in, you know, moving forward with it. Well, it must have been difficult if your brothers couldn't get home. And did your family ever deal with that completely? And what do you do with other families where they have situations where they can't get together? The programming that we put into place, Gloria, at our events really addresses the different issues that families face. It impacts everybody so differently. You know, my memory is that my brothers weren't able to attend the funeral, but perhaps they were. Perhaps they just weren't able to come when my dad was in the hospital because I didn't go either. At the time, I was too young, and the hospital thought he was going to be okay. So I didn't even get to go to the hospital and tell my dad bye. My memory might not be serving me correctly whether they were able to come to the funeral, but I know that finances are an issue for some to be able to travel to a funeral because the resources are only there for the very immediate family. So we at TAPS try to step in and help all who want to attend be able to attend the funeral through donations from others. But I think it does impact us in the way we're able to integrate that loss. If we think, oh, I wasn't able to say my goodbyes or it was such a quick loss and something I wasn't prepared for. So it affects us all in different ways. Do you have any rituals that you use at TAPS to help people kind of regrieve? Would you call it regrieving? Or We have different activities that they do at the regional seminars that are really powerful. And that programming is changing all the time. I think in our sharing and caring groups at the events, when we're able to say the name of our loved one we lost and, you know, when they served, how they died, those types of things really helps us take a moment and, you know, open up that 
backpack of grief, so to speak, and kind of go through it and be able to give a chance to feel that pain, but also see how other people have found hope after the loss. I think that's a really powerful opportunity that people are afforded at TAPS. What's interesting to me, Danita, is that the way that your dad died, although it was different, there's a lot of similarities because, Mm -hmm. you know, to the military kids, because your dad left, you thought you were going to see him again, and you never Mm -hmm. saw him again, and you weren't able to say goodbye, which is exactly what kids are going through. And the other piece I found interesting in what you said was that people tended to focus on your mom's loss. And that is very similar to sibling grief. When you have a sibling die, and I had a brother die, as you know, people focus mm-hmm. on your, how your parents are doing. And I didn't even think about that as being an issue for kids that have parents die, that the surviving spouse is the one that people are more focused on. Yeah, that's interesting, Heidi. I picked that up, too. Be strong for your mother. And you heard, be strong for your parents. Mm-hmm. Right. And then it took years later where you kind of said, wait a minute. This is a significant loss for me. Yeah, huge. You know, we hear a lot about um, suicide in the military. And talk a little bit about the difficulties for families. I know I've read some things about it and heard some things about suicide and also where they weren't in direct action when it happened. There seems to be kind of a pecking order in the world of people saying, oh, they were killed in an actual military operation as compared with dying other ways. Um. Yeah, I'd be glad to speak to that. I'm happy to say that I think the stigma is shifting. You know, it's slow, but the stigma is shifting. At TAPS, we have a large number of suicide loss surviving family members and loved ones. And I think it's really an opportunity to come together and still have that military connection. You know, the stigma is out there whether the person was in the military or whether they were not. And you know, we're doing all we can at TAPS to help with that and help culture see that early intervention is really key. Having the ability to come forward and say, hey, I'm really struggling and I need help. Those things are key to helping those that may be contemplating take their life, you know. And so at TAPS, we have a whole program dedicated around bringing issues to the forefront that have to do with suicide loss and, you know, those in the military. And I'm just proud to be a part you know, of an organization that works so hard to support those that have lost loved ones to suicide in the military, but also, you know, works to support those on active duty. And also, I don't think a lot of people realize that suicide can run in groups or families. And I think it's so great that you're educating families about this, because it's not just talking about the person who died. It's talking about also keeping yourself safe and keeping other people safe, and also dealing with the guilt that we all feel. I run a compassionate friends group, and people where there's been a suicide, they really feel like, oh, we should have seen it, we should have known, and, you know, working with them on that to realize that there's a lot of guilt to be found in all of us who, who've had a loss, but I think it's great that you're doing about that. What about people who die of a, an infection or something when they're in the military? Is there as much uh, support for them as there somebody who was killed in a, some kind of a raid? Um, well, there is here at TAP. We really don't look to the cause of death as, as a barrier to any of the services we provide. And we have a large network of peers for all circumstances of loss. So that's, I think, the beauty of TAP, being peer-based, but having people that we can connect a survivor to and say, oh, your loved one died in a training accident? I have someone you can talk to whose loved one also died in a training accident. Oh, your loved one had a heart attack? We have someone that you can relate to whose spouse was also in the Navy that died of a heart attack. So regardless of the circumstances of loss, that peer-based support, the ability to connect with somebody 
who gets it to the extent that they can, right? Because we all come from a unique journey. But to be able to connect them right away with a peer who says, oh, yeah, my husband was in the Navy and he died of a heart attack too. It kind of cuts through so much of the get to know yes and gets you right away to that place of how did you move forward? How did you get up the next day? How were you able to even think about feeding the kids? You know, all those different things that come up when we're just so paralyzed by grief. Having that peer, somebody to talk to, someone that says, oh, yeah, I know what that was like, not feeling like I could get out of bed day to day. I know what that was like when all the casseroles stopped coming or people quit calling and everybody expected me to be better. So I think that is the beauty of peer base. That's the beauty of being able to connect with other people that get a little bit of what you're going through but also understand that military culture. And and I love how you set people up with, you pair people that have similar losses. Mm -hmm. That is so great. And and it is interesting because I love how TAPS does not minimize any kind of losses because we've had people on like Jill Amore and Mm -hmm. other other widows who have said that there's a pecking order in the military. And I never knew this because to me, all losses are horrendous. It doesn't matter how people die. But that if you're, if it's a battle oriented loss, they feel that society, not TAPS, but society gives it more attention and more play. And I know that TAPS recognize every loss is extremely significant. Yeah, I think it's a beautiful thing and so healing. It's a powerful thing to have somebody say your loss matters. Your loss matters to us and it, it just matters. Like, I think that's a powerful thing and it really helps people in their journey. Now, tell us about some of the events that are coming up and how people can get a hold of you. I know you said that there are events all the time going on, so we don't need to get into the specifics, but how do they find out what events there are and how do they find you? Oh, they can go on our website. It's www.taps.org, and there's a link on there where you can look up all upcoming events. We have them happening all over the nation. Um, Also, they can call our 800 number, 800-959-8277. That's 800-959-8277, and it stands for TAPS at the end. So our numbers answer 24 hours a day by a caring person that's going to listen to your needs and get you connected to the person that's going to be able to help you best. We also have a chat link on our website. If someone just feels more comfortable filling out that, they can connect with us that way. Now, if I'm listening to this show and my husband or a brother or whatever wasn't in active duty, for I mean, he was out of the service for five years, can I still get in touch? Absolutely, you can. We have the resources. And if we don't know how to help, we know who can help you. We don't turn anybody away. We can get you connected to the right resources in your community. So just reach out and let us try to help you. Oh, thank you so much for being on the show today. It's amazing the work you're doing, and I really appreciate it. Zanita? Oh, thank you so much, Gloria and Heidi. Thanks, Zanita. Thanks for all the work you do. You really care on a deep level. Your life is definitely your message, and I loved having you on today. Oh, thank you, Heidi. It was my pleasure. Heidi, an interesting show. TAPS is such a fabulous organization, and I just have to mention our good friend Bonnie Carroll, who started TAPS. She's an amazing woman, and we always enjoy seeing her. You know, Heidi, I feel like one of the things that I'm hearing is the validation. I mean, I could just make that a huge word. TAPS is validating people's loss. Absolutely, Mom. You know, and I love the fact that they include everybody and anybody who's ever served in the military. If they can't help you, they'll find someone that can. And that is so true because Zenita's called me before and said, look, I had a bereaved parent or I have a bereaved this or that. Do you know anyone in the local area? I mean, they will help anybody that comes across their desk. So I love that part. And I'm on their advisory board and I'm honored to serve them. They are really an incredible organization. And like you said, Bonnie Carroll is amazing and she lives, breathes, and sleeps. It, It really is her passion. Yep, absolutely. Well, we want to thank you for listening to our show today. And we hope that you will pass the message on to 
people that you know that could benefit from TAPS. And Heidi and I want to remind you that if you've lost hope, please lean on ours until you find your own. And God bless. <laughs>